So one of the things that Haman did in order to arouse the anger of Achashverosh against the Jewish people was he informed him, It's not profitable, it's not, um, it's not befitting for you to keep them around in your kingdom because um, the Jews are not respecting you properly. And one example that he gave of the Jews' contempt for Achashverosh and the lack of respect was he told them, if a fly falls into their wine, they will remove the fly and drink the wine. But if you touch their wine, you've contaminated their wine and they won't drink it any longer. And that's, of course, the halacha of stam yenam, of wine that belongs, that was touched by an non-Jew, that Jews, of course, are forbidden from drinking uh, that wine. And Purim is, uh, it wasn't only part of the Purim story, but one of the, uh, of course, one of the, uh, the activities of Purim is chayv inish lubsumi bipurya. People are, are obligated to, to drink uh, wine on Purim. Uh, so therefore, since drinking is part of Purim, it's part of the Purim story itself. That was one of the things Haman told Achashverosh. I thought it would take a few minutes to discuss the halacha of non-Jewish wine, or stam yenam. So the Mishnah mentions in Mesef Tzvedazar and Chavtesim a bunch of things that Chazal prohibited, and one of them is stam yenam, the wine that belongs, meaning regular, regular wine, stam, regular wine of a non-Jew that was touched by a non-Jew. And the Gemara asks over here in the first line of Ice Bay, Yain Minolan, how do we know that it's prohibited? And the Gemara quotes from the post against Parshus Hazinu, Ashecheus Vachema Yocheu, Yishtu Yenisicham, the Mazevachasbano Af Yain Nami Osabano. If a non-Jew, as part of his idolatrous practices, brings a sacrifice, and together with that sacrifice, brings wine, what's known as Yain Nesech, he did nisuchayayin, he poured the wine in front of his idol, so that not only is the carbon, is the sac- uh, sacrifice that he offered prohibited, but the wine is part of the sacrifice too. That's what the Pasuk teaches us in Parashat Sanzino. That's with regards to Yayanesech. What does this have to do with Stam Yenam? Here we're discussing wine that is owned by an Anjou, was touched by an Anjou. What does that have to do with Yayanesech? And therefore, Rashi and Taisus conclude that it sounds like from this Gemara that provides as a source for the issue of Stam Yenam, uh, Yayanesech, Regular wine that's owned by a non-Jew, the Gemara then jumps to wine that was used as a libation before uh, an idol, but as part of an Avedizara, that it must be part of the, or one of the contributing factors at least, um, in prohibiting wine that was owned by a non-Jew or touched by a non-Jew is because a fear of Nisuch. Maybe he will use it for his idolatry. And that's what Rashi writes over here. It is prohibited because perhaps it was used as part of his idolatrous practices. The problem is, it's raised by the Rishonim, is that a Gemara later on in Lama Vavim seems to provide an entirely different rationale for the prohibition of Stam Yenam, nothing to do with Yayanesech. The Gemara there is discussing a whole list of items that Chazal prohibited, lest we come to socialize with non-Jews, and that will lead to intermarriage. So one of the items that are prohibited, uh, you know, that were to prevent socialization between non-Jews and Jews is that they shouldn't eat together, and therefore they prohibited Bishalakum, uh, food that was prepared by a non-Jew, or Pasakum, a bread that was prepared, that was baked by a non-Jew, because since I love the food so much, I love the bread so much, I'll come to marry his daughter in order so that I should have an endless lifetime supply of this fresh uh, bread or of this delicious um, dish that he prepares. So bishalakum and pasakum were prohibited unless you come to you know, marry the preparer's uh, daughter. Yayin um, Yenam was part of that, part of that list. One of, the, uh, you know, one of the activities they prohibited us from doing, uh, you know, lest it will lead to socialization, is perhaps drinking with Nachum. We could discuss another time, you know, drinking together with them, Bebeis Mishtos, in their bars and pubs. Another uh, thing there, of course, was uh, the wine itself. If it was owned by a non-Jew or handled by a non-Jew, I might come to marry his daughter so I could have an endless supply of this wine. And what will lead to the breaking down of those barriers 
of the of the uh, the stigma will be that will be uh, you know of, of intermarriage will, will be that we'll be drinking together and I'll be drinking his wine. So that was one. That's the reason why Stam Yenam is also. That's what the Gemara tells is because Val Mishum lest you come to marry his daughter. So the Ramban there and Tesis earlier asked, well, which is it? Is Stam Yenam also because of Yayin Nasech, a fear that perhaps he used it as part of his uh, idolatry and his Avodah Zarah? bringing an animal sacrifice or a wine libation, or is it prohibited because you might come to drink with him and you know, marry his daughter in order to have an endless lifetime supply of his wine? Is it Binoy Sehem or Chashash Nisoch? So Taisus back in his Bezim, Chavtesma Bezim, Moscow Yayin, explains that it's really prohibited because of both. But the primary one is Binoy Sehem. That's what prompted them to make this Xera against wine that's owned by an Anjou or to handle by an Anjou. It's because you might come to marry his daughter if you're drinking together. However, that will only get you so far. That could create, generate an Easter achila. We can't drink together or, you know, or eat together, the wine. But not an Easter hana to derive other forms of benefit. That should have been permitted. But that's where chashash nisuch comes into the picture. Since that's an additional concern, um, maybe he actually used it for his idolatrous practices. Well, if he did, that would certainly be not only Easter achila, but that would be Easter hana as well. So we need both because each one contributes something else. Um, you know, the Benosehem, which is the primary one, gets you to the Serachila. The Chashash Nisuch was introduced because that introduces also, you know, additional wrinkle and additional aspect, the dimension of the Iser Hana. The Ramban basically, more or less, says the same thing with a slightly different uh, emphasis. The Ramban says over here, Oiz Dawid. Ramban says, no, no. Chashash Nisuch is not a real Chashash. If this guy used it as part of his religion, do you think that he is sharing it with you and giving you to drink? This is sacrosanct. This is holy. Uh, he's not giving you or drinking even himself his religious items. So chashash nisuch is not really something that should have been uh, risen to the level of concern. But the real reason is benayseim. Benayseim would lead to intermarriage. However, chazal have a rule... Whether it's applied entirely across the board, or you know, once in a while, and generally, you know, even though there might be exceptions to the rule, it's called the tikkun rabban and kain daraisa tikkun. Whatever Chazal established, they usually, or they they try to, you know, for the most part, to pattern it after dinim daraisa. Call the tikkun rabbanan kain daraisa tikkun. Whatever Chazal established, they attempt to fit it into the pattern, to the formula of dinim daraisa. If Shechter once told me that um, he sent a shear. That someone was observing after he published his first two svarim. Uh, I was in Shir when Big Fayetzon was published. And someone reflected after publishing Big Fayetzon that his most recurring theme in all of his svarim, at least to that point, was called the Tikkun Rabban and Kain Darais Tikkun. He didn't even realize, but in both svarim there's a simon who called the Tikkun Rabban and Kain Darais Tikkun. If you know Rav Shechter, it fits perfectly in with his view of halacha that it's a seamless uh, system of consistency between Dinim Darabana and Dinim Daraisa, they all fit into the same pattern. Kola Torah Kula Inyan Everything relates to everything else. So Dinim Darabana fitting into a pattern, Daraisa is a general um, attitude, right, and, uh, and, uh, and, and manner in which Chazal established Dinim Darabana. So which Din Daraisa is Yayestam Yainam patterned after? Yes, it's true. What motivated is Benoiseyam. But which category does it fit in? You know, where, how does it fit into the pattern of Torah Daraisa? The answer is it's patterned after Yayanesech, which is because of, you know, Nisa Doiraisa, if they use it as part of their Avaidazara, of course, the carbon, the sacrifice is also, that, you know, this part of Avaidazara itself, and the wine also becomes uh, part of that too. So, Stamyenum is patterned after Yayanesech. That's why it's also Ba'anah. 
because it's patterned after Yai Nesach. So there is a Chashash Nisuch. Now that Chashash Nisuch is not um, significant enough to have warranted its own independent Isa de Rabbanan. But once they were motivated by the Naseyem, the fear of intermarriage, and they needed to fit it into some grander scheme, they put it together with Yai Nesach, and that introduced the Chashash Nisuch. But what emerges is that we have an Iser of Achila, an Iser Hana, perhaps motivated by two different things. Iser Achila has been Oisehem, we have to intermarriage, that's you know, the Iser Shisiya. And then the Iser Hana, which is because of the Chashash Nisuch, that perhaps, uh, you know, it uh, was used for their father's our practices, how relevant of a concern that is or not, might be Machlekes Tesis and Ramban. But, you know, was that really what motivated it, or was it just a contributing factor after the fact? Um, either way, that's a whole separate part of the picture. What if it's not possible that this individual who's touching or handling the wine had in mind Avoy Zara? It's not possible that they had in mind Chashash Nisuch. How do I know? Because the child is a Tinoik, Ben Yoimai. He's just born, and a baby is flailing about, and he touches wine. Is the wine Stam Yenam? For sure. Yes, he handles the wine. Stam Yenam. Is it also by No, also? What, what, you know, what is the Yisrael no stems from? The Chashash Nisuch. Maybe he used it for the Avodah Zara practice. The Tinoch Ben Yoma. He doesn't have a mind of Avodah Zara. So says the Gemara over here in Avodah Zara. Nun Zayin Merav. Tinoch Ben Yoma. Hu Osiyai Nesech. Amalu Hu Eimah Da'amri. Eimah Da'amri. Anah B'Shesiyah. Bahana Mi Amri. Yes, it is Tam Yenam for Achila, but not, and Shesiyah, but not for the Yisrael Hana. Because there's no way he had a mind Nisuch. Can we understand? There's no way he had a mind Nisuch. So yes, could lead to intermarriage. You never know this child's going to grow up and want to get married. But not an Iser Hana. Based on that, the Rambam jumps. He says, Azoi, what if I have a non-Jew who doesn't worship Avay Zara? Maybe that's like the Tinoik, the little kid, who there's no way he had a mind, because he's not in the mind what he's moving, flailing around, not even thinking what he's, you know, what he's touching. He's playing with different things. He happens to play with wine. So maybe an adult who does understand what he's touching, but doesn't worship about desire in the first place, well then maybe the wine that he touches should be Samyenam for Iser Achilon Chesia, but not for the Iser Hanak, because there's no Chashash Nisach. And that's what the Rambam writes over here. The Rambam believed that, and we could discuss this in other contexts, we entering churches and mosques, that, um, that uh, Muslims, Islam is not a Vaidasara. And they're not Oivde Avaidazara. Now it needs to be said, and this is parenthetical, our Avaidazara is different than their Avaidazara. What I mean by that is for a Jew to convert to another religion, even if that religion is not technically classified as Avaidazara vis a vis non Jews, doesn't mean that it's permitted for a Jew to worship Islam, right? Chasvashalom. Hari Yavor, maybe, right? Rather than convert to another religion. Because Jews are obligated to serve Akadish Baruch only. Non Jews are prohibited from serving Avaidazara. Very different. So is this called Avay Dezara or not? That's a whole separate discussion than what is permitted for Jews, right? So what's called Avay Dezara for us might not be the same as what's called Avay Dezara for them. That said, the Ramam feels that Islam is not considered to be Avay Dezara for B'nai Noyach, for non-Jews. It's a monotheistic religion. And therefore, and they also don't offer animal sacrifices, you know, wine libations. So therefore, the Ramam feels if a uh, Yishma'ili will touch wine, yes, it will be prohibited in Achil and Shesiyah, because lest you'll lead to intermarriage and breaking down the barriers between the communities, but it will not be also Bahano. There's no Chashash Nisuch. So Chavi, understand, that's a huge jump from what the Gemara said. The Gemara said a Tinoik. A Tinoik doesn't even realize what he's touching. The Ram says, here, he realizes what he's touching, but he doesn't worship over the Zara. There's no Chashash Nisuch, so be allowed. The Baliyah Taisus took this even one step further, and this was a matter of great concern for them in their community, because Jews in those uh, times were moneylenders. 
We just had someone from the shul who visited Poland, one on a trip I'm sure many of you have been on. I haven't been to Echelikach, I hope to one day to go, but he just came back from Poland and he bought in Krakow a magnet of Jews with big noses and carrying, uh, you know, with all the evil tropes, carrying money bags and it's like a magnet they use on refrigerators. Terrible, terrible. So he bought, he couldn't believe that it was there. It's in the, the you know, in the, in the souvenir shops. So I said to him, who buys these things? Like, who? So he said, he thinks it's only Jews who come to buy. Because Jews can't believe that it's there. Every Jew who comes on these trips buys it. We're supporting this industry because we keep buying these things. Can you, you know, can, we, can you believe these things are still here? I don't know if the guy are still buying them even. It's, uh, unfortunately, we, we buy them because, like, wow, we can't believe it's here. Anyway, as I, but they, traditionally Jews in the times of the Baliatesis were moneylenders. What were they going to use as collateral for their you know, lending of money? Could be a property, could be commodities, could be wine. And a lot of times they lent money having wine as the collateral. The problem is if the loan is not paid, what are you going to do, collect the wine? What good is that going to be for you? The wine is also bahana. You can't benefit from the wine. You can't sell it. You can't trade it. So in the time of the Baliatesis, they introduced, this was a huge problem for them, you know, e- economically. And they arrived at the following Kula, um, which is that perhaps we should argue, even in lands where they lived, which was Christian lands, and again, that's a big dispute in the Rishayim, whether Christianity has the status of Avedi Zarah or not, vis-a-vis non-Jews. Is that called Avedi Zarah for non-Jews or not? The Rabbim felt that it was, other Rishayim feel differently. Um, but they believed, even if it was, but those Christians were not serving um, their God with kabanos, with animal sacrifices or with wine libations. Now it is true, of course, that wine does figure into Catholic services somehow, and I'm not sure if that's a uh, ritual or if that's a carbon, if that would be prohibited in Hanar or not. I, I, I don't know enough about that side of it. But the Baliatesis assumed that they did not use wine as part of a uh, carb in a way that would prohibit it in Hanar. So they were of the Avodah Zarah, but they didn't use wine as part of their service. So chashash nisuch did not exist. Ooh. Now that's one step further than the Rambam. Again, the Gemara said a tinok. It doesn't even realize what he's touching. There's no chashash nisuch, it's mutter and hana. The Rambam said anyone who's an anju, who's an adult, who does realize what he's touching, but he doesn't worship over the Zarah, him also is permitted. The Bali is taking even one step further, even if he is an avid of the Zarah, but he doesn't use wine in a way that would prohibit the wine, it could also be permitted. And that was a, a kula that many of the Rishonim arrived at. Now, Rabbeinu Tam is not happy with this kula because it's so far away from what the Gemara said. The Gemara said a Tino who doesn't even realize what he's touching. This guy realized what he's touching. He's even a Oyvid of But Rabbeinu Tam, at the end of the day, said that that was the minig. The minig was to be made And this was a huge economic concern uh, because they were lending money with the wine as collateral. So they did allow it. They did allow it based on that tzvara. Tais is there at the last few lines. Since this is exerah derabanan of stam yenum that is prohibited not only in a shesia but it's prohibited in hana. Just because the reason doesn't apply, they don't use this as part of their wine libations and avayt zara, The the xerah should still apply just because the reason for yontav sheni or for you know some other xerah derabanan doesn't apply. The xerah continues to apply unless a later basin that's greater in number and in wisdom will come and uproot will come and overturn that initial gzera. So just because the reason doesn't apply, why does the Easter of Stamienum fall away? The Easter Hana. So the Tesis concludes in the last line, the gzera was only on those religions and those individuals that used Nisachayayim. Since nowadays it's not common in the circles, even of Avdeva Dezara, to use wine libations, it is permitted, even if they are technically Avdeva Dezara, because it's not part, they don't use it in a way that would prohibit it 
um, in Hanah. This is quoted by the Ramah. Shulchan Aruch says, quotes the Rambam, that if they're, they're Yishma'ilim, they don't uh, have the status of Oiv Deva Dezara, then the wine is permitted just like a Tinoik, who doesn't realize what he's touching. There's no Chashash Nisoch here, too. There's no Chashash Nisoch. And then the Ramah quotes from the Baal Yataisvis that if, um, uh, it says over here on the second line of Oiz Zayin, it's Simu Kufchav Gimel Sif Aleph, the Magal, if the Kufchavim Biyayin Shalon, who ain't no Asabah Narak Vishasiyah. It's only us about no, not in drink, uh, only us are in drinking because of Binoisem. Intermarriage certainly still exists, but what pr- what prompted the Isra Hanoah was a chashash nisuk. Maybe it's used for avayt zara that does not exist, and therefore the stam yayin is permitted in Hanoah. Now the Ramah doesn't give it his full endorsement. He says v'toiv lahachmer. <coughs> it's good to be machmer. See, we make on the Yisra'ana, but it's best to be machmir. The Pesachai Tshuva quotes from those who are a little bit more lenient. The general attitude of the Paiskim is, and this is the, the you know, I'd say the pre- prevalent stance, is that if it's b'makam hefsid, it can be allowed. Shalai b'makam hefsid, we really shouldn't rely on it. This comes up, Rabbi, I say all the time. There aren't so many Jewish moneylenders I know of who are taking stam yenim as collateral. But where it does come up, which is what was common in times of the Bible Taisvis, does come up quite often is a person is in a service industry or some other business and making deals with clients and customers, and they will give us a gift of goodwill. I ship you a case of wine, probably usually quite expensive wine. It's not, uh, you know, it's a Moscato d'Asti. It's usually quite expensive wine, and it's to show, uh, you know, their appreciation. What is the Jew? What is, uh, you know, Yankala going to do with this uh, case of Stam Yenem, however much it costs per bottle? So he said, well, I'll give it to my super. I'll give it to, uh, I can't drink it, but let me give it to someone else. I'll, I'll give it back to the wine store and trade it for kosher wine. That's called benefiting from the wine. Are we allowed to benefit from Stam Yenim, wine that's owned by non-Jews or handled by non-Jews? So that's the Shiloh. So B'makam Hefzid, it can be allowed. Shalom B'makam Hefzid really shouldn't be done. <clears throat> that's the answer. If you give it to your super, he's going to do favors for you. You give it to uh, you know, anybody who works for you. He's going to do, now he's going to say, oh, thank you for doing that. Now I'm going to do something nice for you. So any, you'd have to leave it for someone you don't know. Like, leave it by the Hefker table. If the guy have a Hefker table, I don't know if they have that, you know. But uh, you'd have to leave it for them, and they wouldn't even know who took it. Then you wouldn't be deriving benefit. Someone asked me, can you throw it out? Is that Baltashkis, or better to leave it? Then, you know, I don't know, it's interesting, Shiloh. But um, we really shouldn't derive benefit unless there's a Hefzid, unless there's a Hefzid. If you'd ask me, a gift that's unsolicited, that's really not in lieu of payment, is not called hefsid. Let's say a guy gives me a box of wine, a case of wine, costs ten thousand dollars. It costs a lot of money to throw it out. Is a hefsid, but I did nothing. You know, this wasn't in lieu of paying me ten thousand dollars. He did a sign of so that's not called hefsid. They came from nowhere. It goes back to nowhere. You know, I'll tell you, I'll offer toshuv. However, if the guy really owes me a favor. I did. I went out of my way for this guy. He should have written me a check, and instead he wrote, he gave me a case of wine. Then I think there's a legitimate argument to be made that that's called hefsim meruba to lose the wine entirely. You'd be allowed to trade it for kosher wine or to give it to someone you know in return for another favor. Meaning, if, if the guy did this for me because he really owed me, then I'm I'm I, you know, I'm deserving of something, and instead he gave me wine. That's called hefsid. But because when people give gifts, you don't. Beggars can't be choosers. You you don't get a right to say. Uh, no, you, you, you would be, I'm saying. Your parents, your parents have a custom of buying you a birthday gift on your birthday. They bring your grandparents. They bring you a nice gift. They say, Ah, here you are, Zach. What are you gonna say? Oh, that's very nice. 
I prefer a check. Can you take it and return it? It doesn't work that way. Yeah. That's not how gifts work. Not if he owes you money. If he owes you money, you have the right to say. But a lot of times there's, I do you a favor in business. I didn't have to do it. I went out of my way. Yeah, and I, I, I schwitzed for you, and this and that. And instead, he sends me a case of wine. So he really, he could have written me a check. He could have done something else nice for me. He owes me. You know, but not in a way that it's formal. You know, I'm not taking the wine and shove a kesef paying back for a loan, but yeah, so you get the idea. Okay, so this is one instance where the chashash nisuch might not exist. What about a situation with a chashash b'noiseim? So then we said, right, it might only be also b'achil and shasiyah, not a sabanah. What about the opposite situation where the chashash b'noiseim doesn't exist? Where could you have that? So the Gemara says in Masech Deschulin, that there are certain instances where we have uh, where we uh, are people who are unreligious who are who are not don't keep the Torah and the mitzvahs. What's known as a mumar, a person can violate so many of the Torah and the mitzvahs that he loses his status of a Yisrael vis-a-vis certain halachas. What we call mumar dino ka'akum. If the person is a mumar lavoidazar, has the status of mumar lekalal Torah kulo, or if he violates the majority of the mitzvahs of the Torah, or if he violates mumar lekalal Shabbos b'farhesia. He violates Shabbos in public in front of ten people as the status of dino ka'akum. He forfeits his kedushas Yisrael vis-a-vis certain issues. Now. He's Jewish, Yisrael Shechata, Afopi Shechata Yisrael, who you can marry his daughter. If he marries, Kiddush of Kiddush, and he require a get. But, but, vis a vis a vis a the status of a non-Jew. His Shechita is no good. Right? Fine. So the Gemara says, Masech Laskulin, that a Mumar, Lavoyed Zara, is a Mumar Lakal Tarakula, and if he handles wine, it has the status of Stam Yenam. Now, that's a huge chiddish because he's a Jew. You can marry his daughter. So what prompted the Yisrael Stamyenim was B'noiseim, was because it would lead to intermarriage. Here, you can marry his daughter. There wouldn't be a problem. Why do we have Stamyenim by a poor person who's a mumar lavoidazara? So the Ramban explains that it's because once we rendered him, we you know, declared him as the status of a mumar, dino ka'akum, the gzera applies across the board. We don't distinguish any longer. And even though Benoisehem doesn't apply, there's no fear of intermarriage. He has the status of Dino Kakum and his wine will be Stamyenam. Wow. Says Ramban over here, the bottom of Ois Ches, even though there is no Chashash Benoisehem of intermarriage, he's considered to be like a guy. And the wine that he touches would have the status of Stam Yenam. Now that's only a Mumar Lavoidazara. However, Rabbi Sai, the Shulchan Aruch over here, Simen Kuf Chav Dawid, Sif Ches, quotes from a Chuvah of the Rajba, that a Mumar, even if it's not a Mumar Lavoidazara, let's say it's a Mumar Lachal Shabbos Befarhesia, a Mumar in another area that has Dino Ka'akum, also the wine that he touches would have the status of that means anybody who's a mumen entirely not religious, the wine that he touches would have the status of stamyenim, like it was touched by a non-Jew. Ah, you can marry his daughter. Where's the chashash ben Isaiah? Nonetheless, once he's dino ka'akum, we apply it across the board indiscriminately, and he has the status of dino ka'akum, and the wine that he touches would be, um, would be stamyenim. Now the chazanish disagrees over here, or is yud. The chazanish writes, Maybe the Gemara only formulated this principle vis-a-vis a mumar lavaydazara. Over here at the top of the second side of the page, miu yain shachilol shabbos or koratora kula ve'eno oved akum ha'inir diyeno muter. That's not the same as a mumar lavaydazara. Why? Because a mumar lavaydazara. Maybe he actually used it for nisuch. So maybe that chashash nisuch exists if he worships lavaydazara. Here, the guy's Jewish. He doesn't keep shabbos. 
there's no Ben Hosein, but not only is there no Ben Hosein, there's no Chashash of Avodah He doesn't worship Avodah So neither reason for Yayin Esach applies. Neither the Chashash Ben Hosein, because he's Jewish, Yisrael Shechat Av Bishachat Yisrael, and the Chashash Nisuk doesn't exist. He doesn't worship Avodah So the Chazanish argues, there, maybe, Stam Yainim should not apply. And if the non-religious Jew handles the wine, it should not necessarily have the status of Stam Yainim. When did the Gemara say that it, that, that does apply is when he's a Mumal Avodah Zarah. So at least the Chashash Nisuk exists. But not if he's a movement of Chal Shabbos for Hesiyahat. Slocha Rabbah. Slocha Rabbah. Oh, that's the argument of the Chazanish. It's against the Shulchan Aruch. However, in the end of the day, even despite the, the protest of the Chazanish, the Shulchan Aruch quotes from the Rajba that it applies across the board. Even if a person is a mumo, mumar, the Chal Shabbos for Hesiyah, not a mumar Rabbi Dezara, the wine that he touches would have the status of um, Stam Yenam. Would have the status of Stam Yenam. There are. We could have said that this is the case, by the way, if we're going to apply this across the board, wherever a person is, we apply these xeros. Uh, so what about pasakum and bishalakum? What about food that's cooked by a mumalachal shops of Hesia? Or bread that's baked by a mumalachal shops of Hesia? Should we say that the bread that he bakes and the food that he cooks is bishalakum and pasakum? So here, the Pisgay Tshuva and Oisir Alf and Oisir Beis quotes from the Tiferes Lamoisha, the Pasha Mumar Shari. No, Bishalakum, Pasakum are not the same as Tamyenum. Ya as Tamyenum was, you know, much more chamur because it was patterned after Yayanesech. That was the primary, the original Xera. Because of Binoisayam, it's patterned after, you know, called the Tikkun Rabbanik Indoiraisitikan. These were later Xeras, Bishalakum, Pasakum to distance us from intermarriage. So as long as intermarriage doesn't apply, the concern, because the person is a Jew, even though he's not religious, these Isura would not kick in. They would be would be permitted, and that's the way Ramosha Paskins and the Grismosha Pasakum Bishalakum doesn't apply to a non-religious Jew. However, the Darke Tshuva over here, Darke Tshuva was a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch written by the Munkach Rebbe, where he collects many Tshuvas, like the Pischei Tshuva. Pischei Tshuva stops around the Chassam Seif and the Nei Yehuda, and the Darke Tshuva has much more. So he quotes there from the Tshuva of the Maram Shik. The Maram Shik was one of the main Talmidim of the Chassam Seifer. So Maram Sheik and others felt now that these xeros should continue to apply even by a mumah lechal shabbos before Hesia, who's not a mumah lavei dezara. Since your mumah dino kaakum, you forfeit your status of a Jew with regards to certain halachas. The xeros should apply because, and once they declared an isa derabanan of of a pasakum bishalakum, a non-Jews a person who's mumah dino kaakum, they should apply indiscriminately, even though the chashash of benoisei and the fear of intermarriage is what prompted these xeros in the first place doesn't exist with regards to this, uh, these individuals. However, there could already be, you know, a difference between these things we already mentioned. That's why many points are lenient. And it seems to be, Rabbi Vadi cites the truth of the Rivash, but the Rivash makes the point explicitly that maybe we should distinguish between them. The Rivash, which predates the Maram Sheikh, is from the period of the Rishonim, says, nah, maybe it's only Stamyenam, because that's patterned after Yaya Nesech. So that exists. You know, that we apply indiscriminately across the board for anybody who's mumar dino ka'akum, you're included in Xerah. But if it's only because of Benoisehem, like Bishulakum, like Pasakum, maybe it wouldn't apply, and many Paiskim therefore are lenient. This is a, hot, a hotly debated issue. Hotly debated issue. However, Stamyenam, wine that's handled by a non religious Jew, really should have the status of Stamyenam and be prohibited, both Bachila and Behano. The Gemara has it with regards to Amumah Lavaydezara. The Rashba extended it even to Amumah Lachal Shabbos with Rehesia, even though the Chazanish felt you could distinguish between the two. The Shochan in the end of the day concludes like the Rashba. So Rabbi Isai, this comes up all the time. How many times have you had a Shabbos meal with a non-religious Jew and you want to serve wine? You have them over for Kiruv, but at the end of the day, there's still a Machal Shabbos with Rehesia. 
Can they handle the wine? Does all the wine have to be Yain Mavusho, which we'll get to in a second. Yain Mavusho is excluded from the prohibition of Stam Yainim. So if you have all Yain Mavusho, you could avoid the issue. Or I know some people who want to have nice fancy wine that's not Mavusho, but they have a Saramashkim. They have one guy who pours all the wine and no one else handles the wine. That's, uh, that's, that's a nice way of handling it. Or you don't have to serve wine. You can serve grape juice or something, okay? Uh, or whiskey, right? Whiskey doesn't have this issue. Um, However, if you want to be make, make you know, on the Etzim issue of allowing him to handle the wine, let's say he did handle the wine, what should be the status of the wine, you know, in retrospect. So there are a number of, uh, you know, in Yanam over here that one could be, one could rely on Lakula. The first is, maybe we don't have a Machal Shabbos Bifar Hesia anymore. See, uh, the Malam and the Hoel raises this issue, that's from David Tzvi Hoffman, you know, 150 years ago. Maybe Machal Shabbos Bifar Hesia, it has to be done in public because that was a, that was a, a pirza. That was like a scene. Look at him. He's being Machal Shabbos on our Jewish streets and creating uh, you know, a, 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 a breach in the standards of the community. So they, they labeled him as Dino Ka'akum. Today, it's a surprise if people are Shemesh Shabbos, right? That's the Chiddush. The Chiddush is not to be Machal Shabbos. So maybe today we don't have Chilos Shabbos Bifar Hesia anymore. But more than that is, uh, and this is a, you know, a much more compelling, Sfarah Lamaisa is, um, you know, you could dispute that many people are Machal Shabbos for Hesse and don't, they, don't, they don't have a mind to deny a Kodesh Baruch Hu. They're interested in going to Erna Parnassah. They have other things they'd rather do. But they don't deny Hashem and we know everything that's implied by being Machal Shabbos for Hesse. But I think the more, the more common argument is that the Chazanish makes, that maybe most of the non-religious Jews today, the Chilonim, have the status of a Tinok Shenishba, which is the concept the Gemara has at the beginning of Paraklal Golem, the Shabbos, of a non-Jew who was, uh, a Jew who was raised, Bain HaNachrim, a Tinoch Shanishbai, who was taken captive and raised by Nachrim. He never received a proper Jewish education, even realized what he was doing was wrong. So a person in that, uh, who's a Tinoch Shanishbai, is not held responsible, he is not punished for the Averos that he does. It's only a Shoigeg, I forgot. Who's punished? He has to bring a carbon. Tinoch Shanishbai is entirely exempt. He's off the hook. No punishment, because you had, how are you supposed to learn? You didn't know. So the uh, Chazanish treats all Chilonim today, all non-religious Jews today, as a Tinok Shanishba. Other parties can dispute that. Moshe, Shabbat Zalman, and others. Shabbat Zalman, debatable, but whatever. Uh, because, maybe, a Tinok Shanishba is one who never heard of Yiddishkeit. He didn't know these things are prohibited. He never heard of Judaism. Most non-religious Jews today know about from Jews. They know about the restrictions that they keep. They certainly can receive an education. It is available to them. And they are familiar with some of the... You know, I, think that, I, I don't think they're as familiar as we think that they are. I don't think that they're paying as much attention to us as we think that they are. But it certainly is out there more. And therefore, some parts are not as convinced of this svara, that they should have this status of a Tinok uh, Shanishba. But there's another argument that could be made, is that maybe Muma Dinok Ha'akum is not a punishment. See, a Tinok Shanishba is not held responsible for his actions, so therefore he's not punished. No skila, no, no, even, you know. No, no carbonos. He, he's, he's, a, he's, he's not a shaygig. He, 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 there's no way he could have known better. Is Mumar Dino Kakum a punishment? That we should say, okay, you're exempt now? You don't have the status of Dino Kakum? Or is Mumar Dino Kakum a consequence? A reality? You don't keep tournaments with Mimela, you're Dino Kakum. Not as a punishment that we can let you off the hook because you have a good excuse. This is just a reality. Mumar Dino Kakum. Yeah, there's no punishment. This is not a punishment. This is just a reality. It's a consequence of your actions. And that's another argument that could be made, which is another debated issue. So it's a whole big uh, problem. How to treat non-religious Jews today vis-a-vis making a minion, vis-a-vis uh, you know, many, many other halachas 
that have to do with how we should view non-religious Jews today, one of them being this issue. What should be the status of the wine that they touch? So at least here in uh, Chutzars, we try and be careful, uh, to be careful about this, that the wine, at least it's not Mavusho. Uh, I don't know what, this, what, the, what they do in Eretz Yisrael, where Yan Mavusho isn't as common, and Jews are much more common. Um, but uh, here, at least, we're a little bit more careful. Um, some are careful. If one is not, uh, there's what to rely on. Many, many, many treat non-religious Jews today as a Tino Shanishba, even vis-a-vis Mumad and wine that's touched by a non-religious Jew would be permitted. Um, but there's a reason to be machmir as well. Yeah. If we're careful about not, uh, these people in here, and would we also, like, regarding wines, would we also be careful with them, like, not including them in the Um Interesting. Is a route back to the same thing? Yeah, they are related. Yeah, yeah. Minion is different, though, because uh, Minion is derived from Kairach, Kairach himself, because uh, and then the Pasuk says by Megillah, uh, by the Meraglim, that they're called uh, um, Ada, and the Meraglim were ten. That's how we derive a whole source of Minion, is from the Meraglim, and Kuzei Roshavah to Kairach. None of them were religious. Uh, they were all Baal Edeira. So Moshe's a tshuva, and he goes, Moshe, you see from here, you don't need to be, uh, you, can be you can be a balavera and still be mistaref to a minion. So the tzerif minion is, is related, yeah. Yeah, yeah, part of a bigger discussion now, yeah. Yeah, but here it's easy to be cheshesh, uh, you know. Why not, why not? I, I think I've seen the Saramashkin work very well. Well, yeah, the balabas walks around to the bottle, and he pours for everyone, it seems very nice, he's offering me to pour. No, no one thinks that you're being careful, and uh, it's just the way he always does that. One guy, uh, all the wine stays behind him, no one touches a bottle except for him, you want. He's very careful to go around a few times during the meal, we are filling, very, very nice. It can be done very nicely if you do it with Seichel. Okay, okay, we discussed who's considered to be a non-Jew vis-a-vis these halachas. How does the non-Jew have to handle the wine in, which, uh, in, a, in a way that will become pro- uh, prohibited? So you already saw the Gemara Masechus Megillah, Rabbi, if he even touches the wine, he handles the wine, it's prohibited. What if he looks at the wine? So the Dake Tshuva quotes, that's the Munkat Rebbe's collection of Tshuvas, and Yeridea quotes from the Shulah Kodesh, even if he looks at the wine, it's prohibited, because maybe he had in mind the Nisuch. In mind to use it for his Avaydazara. And that's why in some Jewish wine factories, they're careful not to have any non Jews working there at all. Some are careful not to even have any non religious Jews working there at all to avoid all Shilas. But uh, not to have non Jews there who can even look at the wine, even if they're not uh, handling the wine. Okay, but what about that's a Chumrah? But what about touching the wine? If they touch the wine, they touch the wine directly. Wine, not the bottle, they touch the wine directly, then the wine would be prohibited in Hanar. If they just touch the outside of the bottle, we'll get to it in a second, okay? So there are a few limitations, though, over here. We are careful not to have our Nanju handle any wine that's not Mavusha, which is a very, very nice hachaka. It's beautiful. We should continue that way. Jews should be careful about wine that's not Mavusha, that should not be handled at all by Nanju. Shouldn't be touched, not the wine, not the bottle. Very nice. What is the etzem halacha? What is the real halacha? So the real halacha is there are a few limitations on what is actually prohibited. If it happened, you know, how should we treat the wine after it happened? It's not only B'diyeh, but this is actually made some halacha. People in general are a little bit more careful because the details of these halachas are complicated and it's hard to figure out what happens sometimes after it happened. But it's a good idea to be more careful with the wine. Some people have an amavushal wine, they put it away in a closet that's locked up, it's very nice. Um, but what is the yetzim halacha? So the yetzim halacha is, Shulchan Aruch says over here, Zimen Kukhav Ches, Sif, Tes, that if the Nachri is carrying a closed bottle of wine, now this doesn't mean sealed, closed. Heavy, however, Kukhavim, Noid Shoyani, Makum, Lamakum, Oiches, Pi, Anoid, Biyadai, Mutter, Mutter. And the Shach explains, Hainu Shahu Sasum. 
if it's closed, because they would not be menasech the wine while the bottle was closed. It wouldn't be menasech the wine. And that's one of the primary concerns is a chashash nisuch. And you can't be menasech the wine while it's closed. So it would be permitted if the wine was closed. It doesn't have to be sealed, necessarily. Where did the seal come from? Seal came from because what if I leave the wine alone with the non-Jew? I don't know what he did with the wine. So the Gemara in Masechus of Desire treats this like yichud. A lot of the principles of yichud apply here to leaving a non-Jew alone with the wine. So for example, if someone's coming in and out of the room, then you could even leave the door closed, right? He's coming in and out. Or the person is afraid. They're going to lose their job if they do something wrong. So if I say to the help in the house, if you touch the wine, open the wine, you're going to lose your job. You are not permitted to touch and open the wine. Okay, then they know. I'm not going to open the wine. Why, why would they risk their, their job to open the wine? It's not worth it to drink a sip of wine. They're not going to do it. So if I say to them, you have fear of losing their job, and I come in and out, I'm right there. So if they carry a closed bottle of wine, even if the wine is not lavushal, the wine is technically permitted. We, when we put the wine in their hands, where there's no Jew supervising, where there's no fear they're going to lose their job, then you require a double seal. Then you have a double seal to make sure they didn't tamper with it. Okay, so if it's in the house and it's closed and the guy moves it from place to place, certainly in the refrigerator, slides it around from place to place while the bottle is closed, Meikra, I think that should be, um, that should be uh, permitted. Let's say the bottle is open and you need a seal if you put it in their hands and there's no Jew watching. Let's say the bottle is open. The bottle is open, it's a little bit more complicated. But if the non-Jew, the Shulchan Aruch says over here, in Sif Yur Ches, at the end of Ost Tezayin over here, He picks it up. If he pours or shakes it, then it's Aser. But if he just picks it up, Now, shaking was a kind of Nisoch. They would you know, shake it and then they would pour it out to the Yavai Dezara. So shaking and pouring, there's a Chashash Nisoch. Just picking it up alone is, is fine is permitted. So if he picks up even an open bottle, he just picks it up, is permitted. You don't have to throw it out. The Ramah writes, certainly if he just touches the outside of the bottle, if he touches the wine, that's also, but that's if you touch the wine itself. What if you just touch the outside of the bottle? That's fine, even if it's open. So closed bottle can be moved around as long as there's a Jew there watching to make sure, you know, that he, he knows he's not supposed to open it, even if he shakes it, yeah? If it's open, then if they pick it up or they uh, touch the bottle, it's okay. If they shake it, or they pour it, then it becomes a problem. It should be in a restaurant, right? It can't serve you. It can't, can't pour you wine. That's certainly, certainly problematic. A big problem. That's why having non-mavusha wine in restaurants creates lots and lots of problems. Typically, the waiter will pour the wine, so that's a, a big issue. You have to worry about that. So, but if they just pick up the bottle, or they just uh, touch the outside of the bottle, that should be okay. What comes up a lot is what if they move the bottle from the table to the counter while it's open? So here, the Ramah is willing to be lenient. Shochanach would be Machmah. That's called Tiltul Aidei Davar He did shake the wine. It was, you know, that was tangential, though. He didn't have a mind to shake it. He had a mind to move the bottle. Probably inevitably shake somewhat because of the momentum of moving in a, you know, a bottle of open liquid. But he didn't have a mind to shake it. So the Ramah is willing to be lenient. But Tiltul Aidei Davar in conjunction with the fact that many are Oivdei Aidei Zara today, right? That overriding swerve of the Ramah who said, Many of the Avodah are today don't worship, don't you know, don't uh, use the, the wine for Yai Nesach anymore. So that that concern really doesn't even exist. Uh, so you know, in combination of all those factors, Ramah is even willing to allow him if he moved the wine from place to place while the wine was open, it should be allowed. It's really problematic if he shakes the wine deliberately or pours the wine. Okay, so there's there's coolest to be had if you by accident you see the kiddush a bottle it shouldn't be there but a bottle of non-mavusha wine a way to move it from table to table make it in is probably allowed you don't have to throw it out certainly if it's closed and they're told not to open the wine 
that they can even move it from place, uh, place to place. But it is a nice harchaka that we should be careful that the wine should not be around non-Jews in order not to run into problems. One last halacha, Rabbi said, that's very relevant to all these issues, we've mentioned it once or twice, is if the wine is mavushal, that's over here, Oisir Ches, Gemara Mesech, if the wine is mavushal, you don't have to worry about Yayin Esech. You don't have to worry about Stam Yenam. Why? They wouldn't use it as part of their carbonus. Why? So therefore, it wasn't included in the Xerah of Yayin Esech. Why? Why wouldn't they use it in their carbonus? Why would they use it as Yayin Esech, which of course Stam Yenam is a derivative of Yayin Esech. It's related. That's one of the reasons we have Stam Yenam. Why wouldn't they use it? And there... Yainesech, in which case we could say it doesn't apply to Stam Yenim, Stam Yenim doesn't apply also if it's Mavusho. So that's a Machlekes Rishonim, two opinions. One opinion is that the Ramban has earlier. The Ramban says, that, if you look back at the Lamed Vavim Ebez, the last line of the Ramban and Ois Dawid, the Ramban says, V'zeh shaloi gazer b'mavusho v'sheinim esnasech ve'eino matzoi kokach. Lachu shaloi v'noiseyim. It wasn't common. No one had this. Why would you make Mavusho wine? They thought it was inferior, whatever. But why would you make it? So it's a milsa de la It's not common. And the Gemara is a rule, milsa de la ishkicha lo gazu It's not common, therefore they never prohibited it. That's the Ramban. The Rashban, so, and the, the Rush the same thing. Because it wasn't common, they never included it. The Rush gives a different, I'm sorry, the Rashba over here, Oisi Ates, the Torah Sabayas says, no, it's because it was inferior wine and therefore they didn't use it. Not that it wasn't common and they didn't include in the Xera the technicality, because it was inferior wine. It changed. When you cook it, it changes. It's inferior wine. And they wouldn't use it. They wouldn't use it after the Yayin Esach. We'll get back to that in a second. Okay, so Rabbi said, Yayin Mavushal is permitted. That's though, right? Um, that's, uh, you know, that only applies if the wine came, you know, was handled by the non-Jew after it was Mavushal. What if the non-Jew produces the wine, and then cooks the wine. What if the non-Jew produces the wine and then cooks the wine? Who does that? A wine company or grape juice company that's owned by non-Jews. Who does that? Welch's, I believe, is not owned by Jews. It's owned by non-Jews. So for years, Welch's, decades, Welch's was never had Ashgacha. It's owned by non-Jews. How can non-Jew produce kosher wine products, kosher grape products? So the truth of the matter is, in the Har Tzvi, that's what Pesach Frank has a diok, a beautiful diok from the language of the Rambam over here, Oishaf, where the Rambam only brings the head of Yayim Mavusho vis-a-vis t- wine that's touched, that's handled by a non-Jew. Wine that's touched by a non-Jew. You know why? Touching is not Pinoseyem. Um, 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 what is touch? Touching is because maybe he was Miznasechet Lavaydezara. Maybe he handled it and used it for Lavaydezara. But Yayim Mavusho doesn't help you, perhaps, for the wine that's owned by the non-Jew. That's B'noi Sehem. What does the fact that it's Mavushu have to do with B'noi Sehem? I might come to socialize, we might drink together, I might want to marry his daughter so I can have an endless supply of this wine. What does it have to do with the fact that it's Mavushu? And they wouldn't use it, al Gabi and What does it have to do with the fact that it's Mavushu? So Mavushu might not help for wine that's actually owned by the non-Jew. I might marry his daughter to have an endless supply of this wine. When does the heter of uh, Yan Mavushu applied to wine that was handled by the non-Jew but not owned by the non-Jew. That's prompted by the Chashash Nisuch. That's a distinction the Stipe has in the Kilsi Yaakov and Abed and others. That wine that's owned by the non-Jew, produced by the non-Jew, that's Ben Wine that's handled by the non-Jew, Maganachri, 
is prompted really because of the Chashash Nisuch. So when does Yain Mavushal get you out of a problem? Because they wouldn't use it, Agabi, their Mizbeach is vis a vis wine that was handled by the non Jew, not wine that was necessarily owned by the non Jew. So you can't have non Jews producing kosher wine products simply because it's Mavushal. However, a Maisha is a true Maisha, he explains the reason why this is so, is because once the non Jew produces the wine, Rabbi becomes Usser. It's Usser. The Welchers makes the grape juice, it's Usser. Now they're going to cook it. So what? The Easter resides with this grape juice even after you cook it, because once it's sent in, it cannot be removed simply by cooking it. But, Ramesha says, what if you, the non-Jew, cooks the grapes before they become wine and then squeezes them to make grape juice so it was Mavusha before he ever produced it as a wine product, maybe that would be permitted. And that's why other cautious organizations started to give a hashgacha on Welch's grape juice based on this chuva from Ramesha, that if they cook the wine, not after they make it into wine, once the non-Jew is making the wine, it's already wine, it's prohibited. It's not going to help the fact that it became a bushel because B'chash Ash Ben still exists. But what can you do? He cooks it before, right? The is only from Maganachri. But what can he do? He could cook it before. It never became wine in the first place. Never became wine that was prohibited in the first place. It's true, but I say I still, uh, you can argue with it. But that's what Moshe said. If he cooks it before it ever became wine, so then uh, the Bisho is not undoing the Easter of Stamienam. It, it, it nips it in the bud before it ever sets in, and that would be permitted. And that's why you have uh, those giving hashgachas on, uh, kede, uh, on uh, grape juice produced by non-Jews. Rabbi said, but the final issue is, what's called the Ayin Mavushal? How hot does it have to be? So if you look over here, Ayin Ches, the Ramban has two opinions. One opinion is, Yad Soyveres boy. That's the sheer bisho in Kolotarakua, until when your hand would recoil from the heat around 175, you know, around there. It's somewhere between 110 and 190, right? So some take a lower shear, some take a higher shear. There's actually a machlaikis between Kedem and Ramesha. Kedem, the original Mashgiach, and Kedem grape juice was at Salem or Rav. If you ever read the Ashgachas on Kedem grape juice, you'll see Salem still has, gives Ashgach. I think they'll have the OU too now. Other Ashgachis, but the, the, the main Rabbi Mashgiach for, for Kedem was Salem. So the Salem or Rav, in order, held that in order to wake, make wine, the Yan Mavushal had to be 190. Ramesha disagreed. Ramesha held it was enough if it's 175. Machlaikis, and what's called the Yatsuletis boy. It's a huge machlekes. What's cool? How hot is the hand recoil? Different points. We have different shiurim. The Gemara never says how hot it is. So somewhere between one ten, the chumra to one ten, the kula until you know one ninety. So the tzayim will have one ninety. Ramai should have one seventy five. There's another sheet in the paiskim though that the Ramban already says. No, maybe it has to be boiling two twelve. And some paiskim go with that. That's a shlomo zalman has the mincha shleima of sternbach and the shuvas van hagis. Has to be boiling. Has to be boiling. So Rabbi said, I think that this goes back, not me, I think it's obvious, it goes back to what's the reason the Yain Mavushal is permitted? Why is it excluded from the Isra of Stamienam? Is it because it's inferior wine? If that's the case, to make it inferior, you probably have to boil to 212. That changes the wine. That's a Shinoi Tam. If it just becomes Yasu Lettuce for a second, that's not going to be a Shinoi Tam. If it's because, it, no, it's because Yad Mavushal wasn't common, it's a Milsuk Loish Kichol, a Gazabay Rabban, was never including the Xera. The minute it becomes Yad Soledesbo, it's Yad Mavushal, wasn't including the Xera, now it already becomes permitted because that was never what they were going around. And that's already a Yad Soledesbo. So maybe it goes back to this Machlaik as we showed him. It has a huge Nafkamina Lomaisa, the Rabbi said, because no wine is put into a pot and cooked on top of a fire. The wine goes through pasteurization, which is a flash heating. They run it through hot coils. Gets heated for a second and then immediately cooled down to pasteurize the wine. 
That's what we call today yayin mavushal, means it was pasteurized. How hot is pasteurization? 175. So if you make a like Ramesha, the yayin mavushal is a yad sogaris boy. And what's the shear for Yad Sogadis? But 175, all pasteurized wine is Yan Mavushal. If you see on a bottle of wine, Yan Mavushal, that means 175. It's Yan Mavushal according to Ramesha. According to the Tzalem Arav, Matafka, Tzalem Arav held 190. And according to Shoma Zalman, and the opinion of Rabbi Yashav as well, is none of this is Yan Mavushal. None of it is Yan Mavushal. That's why Shoma Zalman held that the head of Yan Mavushal Kamat doesn't apply today. The whole head of Yan Mavushal is because the wine was inferior. No one would drink it. Today he says it's all over the place. People love Yain Mavushal. They can barely tell the difference between Yain Mavushal and Yain Shein Mavushal. Some people think they can't tell the difference. And all expensive wines are typically Yain Shein Mavushal. But he said you can't really tell the difference. It's not inferior wine anymore, pasteurized wine. So Shalman Zalman held the whole heter of Yain Mavushal doesn't apply. Rebbe Yashav had the same thing. In Eretz Yisrael, the heter of Yain Mavushal is not as popular as it is here in Chutzlaret. Here in Chutzlaret, we typically follow Ramesha. We feel if it was pasteurized, it's considered to be Yain Mavushal. You could be lenient. You don't have to worry about Stam Yenum once it's Yain Mavushal. But uh, there are those places who can hold a little bit more machner on this, that uh, the wine, pasteurized wine is not considered to be Yain Mavushal. And therefore, even Yain, what we call Yain Mavushal, you still have to be careful for this, some of the, uh, these problems. Hevra, Yashukaya.